Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we get started, are you thinking of creating a podcast or are you a podcast host already? As a podcast strategist, I can help you to launch or relaunch a purposeful and profitable podcast, which will inspire, entertain and educate a global audience. Simply book in a one-to-one call with me right now via the Calendly link in the show notes and together we'll focus on the purpose of your podcast. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Linda Shaw. Linda, hello and welcome. Hello, Amy. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing really well. And I'm so excited to have the president of the Professional Speaking Association (laughs) on this podcast. Boom, there she goes. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) So let's get started. Let's delve into the world of Linda Shaw. My goodness, what, what a world that is. Tell us more. What is it you're doing at the moment? Um, Well, as you know, I'm a neuroscientist and a business psychologist, and I'm very much concentrating on working with people who want to recalibrate their thinking. Um, You know, companies and organizations get to the point where they've seen to the processes, they've seen to the systems, but things are still not quite right. So therefore, it could easily be their people. Um, So I work with uh, C-suite and I give talks on on keynote talks on recalibrating the brain. I work with C-suite in terms of giving them workshops on helping. And equally, I focus very much on a one-to-one with COOs because COOs have got such um, uh, an amazing breadth of skill set. I have yet to meet two COOs who have got the same job spec. They have, it's, it's incredibly individual and their dynamics are very broad. And to work with them is an absolute joy because they're on the journey of getting to the goal that the CEO has, has, has set or the board has set. So working with them is, is phenomenal. It's We have great fun doing it and we make some big inroads. So that's all good. And the other thing I do, of course, is I've got my online program called the Neuroscience Professional Development Program and also the Learning Lab, which is a deeper dive into the neuroscience lessons. And that's for the individual. So I'm working with... Um, I'm working on um, keynote speaking, I'm working on workshops, I'm working on individuals in in corporations and individuals who are wanting to um, improve their knowledge of neuroscience for their own sake and their own business. So I've got a lovely breadth of way I deliver my stuff. So that's what I'm up to. In a nutshell. In a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) And I just wanted to sort of ask you about, you you said you recalibrate their thinking or recalibrate the brain. What's the difference? Well, recalibrate is actually rather an interesting word, isn't it? Um, Recalibration, one thinks of as in in terms of um, mechanics, recalibrating the clock when they changed. You know, you change change it by one hour. You you, um, recalibrate um, machinery. You recalibrate all cars. You recalibrate all sorts of things. But I rather like talking about it in terms of the brain, which, of course, enables thinking, because um, we, when I talk about 
um, embracing change or doing enabling change, we have a problem in that people go, oh, no, that's too hard. I can't cope with the idea. I don't want to change the world. I've really got to. I've got too much to do. I'm far too busy. But if I, I talk about it in terms of recalibrating, it's little tweaks that make a very big difference. And that is what I concentrate on. So recalibrating the brain, our brain changes our behavior and our behavior changes our brain. So we are actually in a lot more control of our brain than we think. We're not completely in control of it because that would be silly because we need our fight or flight response and all of those other things that are below conscious awareness. But nevertheless, there are things that we can attend to that we're in control of. And by in so doing, we actually are changing the wiring of our brain. We're even changing the structure of the brain by the differences in our behavior, which is why I say the brain changes behavior and behavior changes the brain. It's this glorious feedback loop that we're able to um, manage very well when we're aware of how to do it. Linda, you've just reminded me I went on your neuroscience professional development program, which is fabulous. And I learned so much and I had to press pause and rewind and listen back to things. And I'm already wanting to press pause and rewind what you've just <laughs> said to catch up. It, it's just, there's just so much going on in your, in your mind and being able to articulate that, articulate that so beautifully and, and with such depth. Have you always had this skill set of, of, being fascinated by the brain. Oh, yes. Um, and I didn't know it was about the brain when I first started this fascination. Um, I can go right back to when I was a very small child and I wanted to speak to very old people. Well, of course, that probably meant 30 years old to a small child. <laughs> but these people actually did have lots of lines and wrinkles. So I figured they're probably getting on a little bit. Um, and I loved them. I wanted to find out what why they did what they did. I wanted, I mean, even my my father's um, company, the firm he worked for, and um, they used to put on a Christmas party for the people who were retired from the company. And um, Dad would go along and pick them all up in his car and bring them to this thing. I'd be in there in my element, talking to these people, finding out what why why they do what they do, what it was like when they were my age, what you know, and um, why why did that happen? And oh my, the, uh, the curiosity was profound. I was a, an annoying child because I kept wanting to all these people to talk to me about anything. And that and that has um that has gone through my life because finding out why people do what they do was clearly with me at a very young age. But that also enabled me to, um, as I got older, to travel a lot. I'm an adventure traveler, and I know with climate change that those days might be numbered. But nevertheless, that is what I love, because if I can get amongst Indigenous people and just watch them, watch um, women at the river washing clothes, watching them at the water pump in the village, watching two wedding parties coming together of the bride and groom and making out of leaves the cups and the little plates ready for the wedding breakfast. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating to understand people, which is why I've got a, such a love of anthropology, which is a whole nother story. But what that does, all of that enables freedom. It, it enables me to be free of um, constricting thoughts. 
um, it enables me to open up my thinking and being free to make decisions and deliberate choices based upon my interest in all the cultures of the world, all, all different kinds of people. And that is what I love. It's the freedom to a freedom of choice, freedom to think independently, freedom to um, freedom from people who are imposing their will. I really dislike that. I I've got a problem with bullying. I don't, not personally, thank goodness, but I really don't like bullies who impose their will on others. So all, all of that sort of has come out of that original question, you know, of that you came up with. And that then leads on to, I've got this, um, oh, I've had it for years and years and years. I need to make my life useful. I need to make my, um, I'm aware that life is so precious and short. And I just, um, I, I even had a diaries years ago where every year, every year I would mark down why that year was spent well. Um, and I now choose not to do that on a yearly basis, but I certainly do it by decades. I need to know that in my 20s, I used well because. In my 30s, I used well because. In my 40s, I used well because. And I'm going to stop there. <laughs> Well, you, there's, there's no audio. reason to go any further. You're not older than that, Linda. <laughs> so, yay, yay for audio. So, um, <laughs> so um, basically, I need to know that I'm not wasting my life. And if you ask me what I really dislike, I strongly dislike it when people say I can't be bothered. I think, what are you doing? You have got such a short amount of time. Use it. Turn off the stupid box and use it, you know, with with all of those magnificent things we can learn about one another and, and experience. I'm sorry, I've got off, haven't I? I, I... <laughs> no, not at all. And it, it, you just remind me of calling it the, the stupid box. I mean, I remember it being called the box when I was a kid, you know, turn, can you turn on the box or turn off the box? My goodness, I haven't heard that for a while. But so, but the stupid box, go there, tell me more. Well, originally the stupid box, I, I was very, very lucky to travel to Bhutan a few years ago and trek in the Himalayas, which I've done from Nepal and Tibet. But Bhutan was, was it was about the first year that it, they'd opened up their borders to an, an unlimited amount of tourists. Um, and our guide was wonderful, a, a really cracking man. And um, we were up in the hills trekking away and having a lovely time. But when we got back to the hotel, he stayed with us to have something to eat and drink. And he, we started to learn even more about him and his family. And he got really cross. And we said, what, are, what is the matter? He said, oh, my children, um, now that we have got all the borders are open, we're getting more, we're importing more goods. He said, and now we've got a stupid box. And he was he really meant it because his children were watching the stupid box and he didn't like it. He's to him, they should have been out doing, learning, experiencing, um, doing chores, doing all of the things one needs to do to support one's family and village and, and community. Um, but that's what he so even so from that day. I, I have remembered his words because sometimes in the evening I will sit down to put the television on, and by the time I go to bed, I think, yep. That was the stupid box um, because it's such rubbish on television. Some of it's good, but a lot of it's not. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And it's so easy, as you say, to to just sort of switch off and and have that mode of I can't be bothered and just 
go to that default of allowing something else to happen to you. But you are someone who is so driven and driven by freedom is clear here. You, you've mentioned it several times, but being free of constricting thoughts. Has, has it been a case that you have had moments of having constricting thoughts? Yes, certainly. Um, when one is, especially some, something that you're trying that's new, you try to, um, I can remember, for instance, when I first became a professional speaker, I would, and I would be talking in, in a, a, an organisation or a conference, I would dress what I thought was the correct mode of dress. Um, and I actually looked like a trussed up chicken because I had all these clothes on that were restricting me. You know, don't do this to me. I did it to myself, you know, because I thought that, that would be um, people um, relate to people like them. So I I wanted to look corporate. I'm not in the least bit corporate. Um, so I, I th those restricting ideas, I think, happen when we are new to something and we think we need to fit in. Um, in actual fact, um, there's no need to fit in at all as long as you're not hurting anyone. You can just be yourself. And that authenticity, I, I think people warm to far more than somebody who's look, looking that uncomfortable, which is um, a, a way of thinking about restricting thoughts. I can't imagine that you did look like a trussed up chicken <laughs> but because it's conjured up all sorts of images now. And, you know, it, 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 maybe at a Christmas party, you could turn up like that. It would be awesome. <laughs> but, but from the perspective, Linda, of going back to the fact that you just said that you're not corporate at all. And yet your entire environment is working with the corporate world. Yes, it is. Um, I, and, and I think the corporate world has changed a lot in that it now realises it's got to be far more entrepreneurial in the way, it, it, way it, it, it acts. It's got to be far more innovative. It's got to be fast in the changing world, which sounds an awful cliche, but my goodness, you've really got to think on your feet. You have, you have to keep up with the times. You've got to know what your clients and customers want and keep up with that and not decide what you think they want. And I think the, the whole corporate environment has changed to be a lot more relaxed and, to, and in terms especially of embracing different ways of thinking, diversity, equity and inclusion, of course. It is those differences that bring richness to any kind of um, organisation, any kind. So people, by not looking, and I, and I also think that especially these days, um, we are far more relaxed in our um, way of dressing anyway in the corporate world. It wasn't long ago you go into the square mile in the city of London and you still have men dressed in pinstripe trousers and black jackets. Goodness me, that seems like forever ago, but it wasn't that long. Um, so, you know, people now are in chinos and a jacket and not necessarily in a suit. Um, and, um, and women are not. Um, in fact, um, before COVID um, appeared on our doorsteps, um, I was in um, a, a law firm in the city of London. And I'm always interested in what the women are wearing. And bearing in mind, this was a, a, a very corporate type of law firm. Um, I thought the last the last uniform for women to um, no longer have would be high heel shoes. And so I was looking at the feet of all these female lawyers and they all had flat shoes on. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yes. Yes. We can have comfy feet. Yes. And so it was it was um, I was that really struck me. That was about two, three years ago now. 
Um, and uh, I thought that was excellent. So, you know, we can be, if we're more comfortable, if we put our brains in a pleasurable state before, because we're comfortable and we're enjoying what we're doing, we are far more efficient and effective and so much more productive for our bosses and indeed as a boss. So um, I think this is all tying in rather nicely. We're evolving rather well. And did you just describe your brain as your boss? <laughs> uh, my brain is my boss and I am the boss of my brain. <laughs> How does yeah. that work? It works because brain changes behavior and behavior changes the brain. We can't separate it. You know, we are we are able to work as a team with our brain. Um, so, but certainly, you know, um, the, the hormone fairy tends to be in charge somewhat, um, you know, and sometimes our emotions seem to be in charge below conscious awareness, especially we make decisions below conscious awareness with, with an emotional response, but we can certainly kick in and, um, and get our, our cognitive brain thinking and to, to reevaluate. So yeah, um, we work as a team. And as a neuroscientist and a business psychologist, you've just described having a hormone fairy. How does that work, Linda? <laughs> Amy, having done the neuroscience professional development program, you know that the, the topic is exceedingly complicated, but I spend my life simplifying it, simplifying it rather, without dumbing it down. So the hormone fairy works. <laughs> In fact, I must tell you as an aside, um, when my daughter was about um, four years old, I was banging on about the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny, Father Christmas. I was banging on about all of these things. And she looked at me and she said, Mummy, you can't believe in anything you can't see or touch. I went, ah, oh, think, Linda, think, Linda, she's four. You've got to win this one. And I said, OK. I, be, I believe in love and you can't see or touch that. One, ka-ching to mother. One. <laughs> so I, I do, I do, um, I do uh, simplify things, but as I say, I never dumb them down. So, But people understand what I mean when I say hormone fairy. <laughs> so does that mean that your daughter still believes in, in the fairy and Father Christmas and all of those? No, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter's now a solicitor. So there you go. <laughs> Very factual young woman. Um, but um, though, yeah, I, I, I want to believe in um, the the um, things that we can't necessarily explain. Of course, we can understand to explain Father Christmas and the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny. But um, we always must remember that the evidence of absence doesn't mean the absence of evidence. So a, a good scientist has an open mind. Oh, you know, you're, you're just spoon feeding all these wonderful quotes that I'm just going to be able to handpick and, and to, <laughs> pr to promote this episode. And that is just definitely one of them. <laughs> so you had this fabulous curiosity as a small child and we know where you are now. What was the gap? How was that journey from one to the other? Wow, that's a long old story. How long have you got? Um uh, I left school, didn't know what I wanted to do. All I wanted to do was travel. So I became an air stewardess with British Airways, long haul cabin crew, um, because in those days I hadn't heard of a gap year. I didn't know that one existed, even if it maybe it didn't exist then. Um, so I travelled enormously, again, trying to find out why people do what they do. Um, I then left the airline and I started um, a couple of businesses. And the third business I started was a health club um, that was the back of an old cinema 
and um, I trained to teach exercise in that interim. And the old cinema had, st it was so old, it had, had uh, this door, massive door that was probably the highest of a two-story house where all the old um, cinema equipment was wheeled in. And at the side rooms and in, in this cavernous hole from floor to ceiling was the organ pipes and things like that. So we had to um, put floors in. My husband and I, this is, my husband stayed working. I was overseeing the project with my hard hat. No, no clue on earth what I was doing. Um, and um, I was managing at one point 19 builders we had put two floors in that were very secure because of the gym equipment. We had a health food bar with a liquor license, beer and wine license. We had beauty rooms, a creche, dance studios, a shop. It was a big project for one so young. Um, and we thought we had enough money, but it transpired that our original architect, um, wasn't as good as he could have been. I'm going to be polite here. I wasn't polite at the time. And we ended up um, spending £40,000 on nothing. And I'm talking about the 80s. So um, we had to go into bank money. Anyway, from day one, we opened the doors of the health club and um, we had 2,000 members and 20 staff. It was a phenomenal success. But because of our, our startup costs, we had to go into bank money. And in those days, interest rates, base rate was 15%. So a business loan was more like 18%. <clears throat> so even though the club was a phenomenal success, we were feeding the interest of the, of the loan. So by year two, it was clear that we, were, uh, we had a cash flow issue. So we tried to sell the club. And we had a buyer waiting in the wings for a very good price. But we um, we actually um, went away for a couple of days and our electricity bill came in whilst we were away. And I had the money in the bank ready and our electricity bill for the month of February that year was £9,000. And the Southern Electricity decided that they were going to triple it for all small businesses in the area so that it was acting like a deposit in case everything, anything went wrong. So that £9,000 bill turned into £27,000 and we just didn't have it. So Southern Electricity turned us off. We had no burglar alarm, no saunas, no hot water, no anything. My husband and I slept in reception for security on, on sun lounges with our Doberman dog, um, um, and we lost our buyer. He disappeared. And so then we were, we, when I look back at the photographs, we looked very poorly indeed. It was a big, stressful time. Anyway, we managed to find a buyer, but we sold for 10% of, of, the, of the market um, value, which was a great problem. Uh, but here's the interesting learning curve. Um, we did everything right, except clearly we were underfunded because of the interest rates as they were in those days. But um, I did not. Well, we also had the chance of an investor who wanted 30 percent of the business. And I was it was my first proper business and I didn't want to give it away. I was very it was like my baby. It was like I was my it was my precious baby and I didn't want to give it away. So that was a very mistake. Number one should never have done that. It should absolutely never have done that. We should have gone with that investor. Mistake number two 
was that after all of this had settled, um, we talked about it with our friends, and so many of them said, "Why didn't you help us uh, or tell us? We wanted, we we're looking for to invest some money. We could have given you that money, that twenty-seven thousand pounds, which would have kept your buyer in the wings, and you'd have we'd have sold for the exact amount of money that it was worth." Um, and that was whoa, massive learning curve. And that was never be afraid to ask for help. Absolutely huge, huge lesson. So that that was that was the health club situation, and I learned the hard way of how to run a business. Um, and I continued to do so, made babies, and took myself back to university. And the rest is history. Wow, I, I mean, you, you paint such a strong picture, Linda, and I can just visualise all all of that experience and. Yeah, as you said, as you look back at those photographs, you didn't realise quite how stressful you it was, you know, you, and how you looked. You know, you're probably just on that autopilot of just just keep things going. Yeah, hindsight is an is an incredible hindrance as well as uh, as a bonus. I mean, yes, it's great to look back, and it's easy for your friends to have said, "Oh, we would have helped you if you'd asked." You don't know if that had been the case, and it will probably haunt you otherwise, but there's different different things now and can you imagine a life without neuroscience gosh no absolutely not it's the most wonderful topic it's an embryonic topic it's brand new in the world of science you know i'm really excited at the next generation of neuroimaging equipment coming out because we might even unlearn what we think we know about the brain because we you know there is so much to learn about it um it's going to take us a long time before we feel comfortable that we know enough and then of course you've got this amazing topic which is my favorite topic of all which is consciousness now that is like the last frontier which is why the, the whole reason I started studying neuroscience because I wanted to understand um consciousness basically um but um we're not doing so well at understanding consciousness when it comes to what people might call the soul or essence or whatever but we're doing ex exceedingly well at understanding unconscious processing so that's really exciting to be part of that so oh my no no neuroscience is going to be in my life when i'm 150 you make it sound like the most exciting thing and and it is i mean it really is so exciting what are the things that drive you mad about what people say about the brain? Oh, I heard somebody quite recently say, I know everything there is to know about the brain. I thought, what? I beg your pardon? Um, absolutely, 100%, no one does. <laughs> no one, even our most eminent neuroscientists, absolutely no one does. Why people think they can come up with this nonsense is, is beyond me. Um, I get very frustrated, as do my colleagues in neuroscience, when people speak about the brain incorrectly. Because what happens is we 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 as as researchers um, we do a, we work very very hard and putting an experiment together we do a massive amount of reading to reading to know if it's if it's worth it worth doing, we then put an exper experiments together we then get the results analyzing the results is a mammoth task and then we've got to make sense of the results, so they're then referring back to the reading the reading that you did and your and the, what your new discoveries or newish discoveries to build upon those that have been before you. And then you um, then you've got your conclusions. And then you if you're lucky, you have a, 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 a an article um, printed in a, a wonderful journal, excellent journal. And that comes out and that is fantastic. 
and then all hell breaks loose because the popular press get hold of it and all of a sudden it's changed slightly and the next thing you know several people have gone oh i can use that to sell my products or oh i can use that to sell my services and it morphs again and it morphs and morphs and by the time it it actually gets out there as as popular news it's it's nothing like the original research drives us cuckoo drives us absolutely nuts that um the people manipulate the information and therefore become so misleading um and so they and it's simplified to the point of of seriously being dumbed down and therefore it becomes incorrect and that is what drives a neuroscientist mad left brain right brain oh don't go there (laughs) no (laughs) no 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 I, I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare. I know. I know. I know my boundaries with you, Linda. Um, let's talk about purpose. What is feeding the purpose behind your work? I get a huge kick out of enabling people to um, be in charge of their destiny to as much to the limitations of what I know the brain it has to do automatically. So if I I get an amazing kick at unlocking people's thinking so that they come up with these all oh, these such delicious aha moments and they and they come up with innovative ideas creative ideas or ideas whereby what they thought were dreadful conflict going on in the boardroom or dreadful things everyone's stuck stuck is horrible isn't it I don't like stuck so if I unstick people that is that is my purpose if I enable people to feel in some at a, a certain level of control over their life that means that not only are they more efficient in the workplace but equally they are healthier uh, mentally and physically that's that's a good purpose to have isn't it I unstick people I love it I, that's brilliant go. Yeah, love it. And the purpose in neuroscience, I mean, we, you know a huge amount about how important purpose is in your brain's functioning. Yeah, um, one needs a reason to get up in the morning. Well, um, now, I, I, I actually used to get a bit upset because people have a life's purpose. I've never had one of those. Um, and I thought crumbs is something wrong with me because I haven't got a life's purpose. But I have a purpose at different stages of my life. So when my children were small, my purpose was to bring them up into good human beings. Um, that's how I saw it. And I loved it. I, I've adored every stage of pregnancy and my children's upbringing. And indeed, now I'm enjoying them as adults and indeed as being a grandmother. I'm absolutely loving it. It's delicious to watch the watch human beings evolve and come the best they can possibly be. Um, so, yeah, so I have p- purposes at different times. At the moment, my purpose is I'm always there for my family. They are central to my being. Um, but my purpose is also to enable people to get this planet out of the stickiness it's in. Um, we need to work together. We've got to have... Um, Um, innovative ideas. It's exciting. We are being pushed by extremes. And that is when the human race rises to the challenge. And we are going to be seeing some fabulously exciting things coming up with some incredible adventures for us all to participate in. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I love it. And I love your, your way that you use delicious. 
I, I, you and Kate Trafford are the two people that use it. And I don't know who started it, but the, you're, you, both of you use that word in a, such a fabulous way. Did I have I used it today? I don't twice. Even, oh my goodness! I didn't realise I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, life is delicious. It's precious. It's. I, I read something a while ago, um, and it was by a, a, an eminent scientist, a physicist. And he said, and I'm going to get this thing wrong, but in in the gist of it is this. He said that there are many, many, many Einsteins who have never been born. There are many, many Da Vinci's who have never been born. There are many, many um, uh, Kant. There are all sorts of people who have never been born. So we have been. So let's use that because there are many um, particles out there that will never become human beings. Um, and, and I just thought that was an, an excellent way of thinking about it. So if we have been blessed with a life, let's get on with it and make the best of it we can. So this desire that you have, that fabulous traveling bug that you have, you've taken the fact that when you're not traveling physically, but you're traveling mentally. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> clearly, I'd love to get back home and, and have physical adventures, but the climate is far more important. So um, <laughs> clearly, so far more important. Um, but what that means, we again, we might have some amazing brains come up with innovative ideas of, 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 of managing both. I don't know. That's why it's exciting to keep watching. But but for me, um, reading um, of the, the Internet, goodness me, Zoom, Teams, anything else you want, you know, you we can be talking to other cultures around the globe and learning about them um you know we don't as much as I'd love to be there physically the second best thing is actually still to reach out to people and as I said at the beginning find out why they do what they do you know why why is that what's going on in your country why, 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 what do you think is going on in England? What do you think is going on in the UK? What are your newspapers telling you about us? Which invariably is nothing like what we think is going on. Um, so therefore, what we are reading about other cultures is probably not what they think is going on. So, so find out from the, the people on the ground out there, you know, so what is it like? What does it mean? Um, how sending your children to school? It's a five mile walk to find the teacher hasn't turned up and they've got to walk back five miles. What is that like? What does that mean to the education of the village and the community? I mean, oh, my goodness. Honestly, Amy, it, the, it's an endless, lovely, delicious list. Um, and um, yeah, I, I just love it. So that anthropology piece is a strong driver for you. It is. It always has been. To be honest, when I did my first degree, I only wanted to study social anthropology. I didn't want to study anything else. But my children were small. I was a mature student for my first degree and I knew I couldn't go very far. So the university that accepted me said I had to, um, which was close to home, that I had to study social anthropology with another, another degree, another topic. And I had the choice of psychology, sociology and communications. And I chose psychology by default. I didn't want to study it at all. Um, but by the, we got, by the time I got into it, I realised how hard anthropology is. Oh, my, it's about life. It's a massive topic. And I'm a yes, but what if person. So my 2000 word essay would turn into 20,000 words and I'd have sleepless nights trying to cut it down. But the psychology fitted my, the way I learn better and the way I think. 
which is quite interesting. So social anthropology is still very much a hobby of mine, but psychology and then neuroscience is a hobby as well as my work. Yeah, I can see that. And and that thread of of being fascinated in why people do what they do theme has has thread been a course all the way through your life. I mean, it's there. It, it, you can see it. It's it's so strong from that little girl watching those very old 30 year old wrinkly people. <laughs> I Absolutely. love it. <laughs> My goodness, you know, it is funny, though, the perceptions that we have as a child and then you know, how that child stays with you. You know, you are that person. And wow. yeah, and it's, it does. It, that really intrigues me. The the fact that you've got this one person in this body that has experienced so many different viewpoints and perspectives over life. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. And it just goes to show, actually, Maybe we don't change that much. Maybe we just um, bury it with the crud of life, layers of layers and layers of life experiences, which make us who we are as well. Um, but it doesn't mean to say that those original natural talents and drivers may may still be there. They may they're not necessarily buried for good. And it's interesting you talk about the natural talents and drivers because I've literally just I, I write a weekly newsletter and the one for tomorrow is all about our natural talents and strengths mm -hmm. and how they do show up very early and we bat them away, whether that's part of the education system and where we fo they teach us to focus on, on improving our weaknesses instead of focusing on our strengths. Absolutely. And so we see we sort of let them sort of dwindle a bit because we're trying to catch up with the areas that we're not good, on, good at and we focus on those strengths um, as we get on later on in life. And it just seems such a waste of natural talent and innate ability. Well, it's just, it's that that actually follows on from our conversation just now. In that, it, it, when I you know first time on the stage, it's about um, being restricted by being the person you think your audience or the people you work with or your family want you to be. Um, but so if we again we're coming back to the freedom thing because if we are if we follow our innate curiosities. Um, that we seem to have been born with, um, and clearly we've got we can't go into the nature nurture debate because that's a whole different topic. But if so, if we've got all of those things going on, and um, and we and we and we allow that the the original talents that we had to come through, we are actually demonstrating freedom. We're demonstrating freedom of choice. We're demonstrating being who we are. And I don't want to say, oh, my goodness me, that's at the detriment of everyone else. It certainly is not. We've had, we do have to be considerate and respectful of everyone, and especially um, those we love. We don't want to hurt anyone. But nevertheless, when we are, when I am, have, I am ex exercising this interest in why people do what they do, I know I'm at my best. And if I'm at my best, it means that others will get the best of me. Love that. I love the the circular structure of our conversation today. Back right back to that curiosity and freedom of choice again, which was what you sort of started out with, and and having fun. You know, making things fun and enjoying what you're doing, and helping people on their journey to really recalibrate their thinking, recalibrate their brain. Yeah, exactly. And fun is the great word, Amy. It's a great word. Where is it written that life shouldn't be fun? 
You know, I've not seen it written anywhere. And I, yeah, things are going to happen and we certainly won't feel like having fun. fun. But um, when we when things are going all right, go for it. You know, just go for it. Enjoy. Oh, Linda, it's been such a pleasure exploring your world, your way of thinking, your your wonderful authenticity and your approach into the how the brain works, why we do what we do. Learning more about the stupid box, my goodness, I will be challenging when that gets turned on later. I'll be thinking, what could I be doing instead? <laughs> <laughs> you could you'd be better off actually to stare out of the window and watch the rainfall. Um, you know? ah, because then we'll be in alpha frequency, won't we, Linda? <laughs> exactly. We will be in the most creative way we will be for the whole day. Absolutely right. <laughs> oh, fabulous. So how will people get in contact with you? I'm sure somebody's going to think I need to do that professional development neuroscience program because I don't know all there is to know about the brain and I would like to know a little bit more. Well, um, I'm Linda with a Y. So my email address is lynda at drlindashaw.com, L-Y-N-D-A-S-H-A-W. Um, my website is drlindashaw.com. I'd be delighted to hear from anybody who wants to discuss anything at all. Have they found this remotely interesting? It'd be really good to hear from you. Oh, well, I'm sure people will find it interesting because and I'm sure they've had to rewind and listen back to several things like I always do when I listen to you because there's so much packed into such a short period of time. Linda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, coming on Focus on Why and giving us a wonderful insight into why you do what you do. Do you have some final words for the audience, please? Just um, like life, uh, the curveballs come and sometimes they're devastating. But when the times they're not, lighten up and try not to take life too seriously. It's all a game anyway. So um, there is very little in life that is really serious. Um, so look after yourself and be the best you can. Thank you for listening to Focus on Why with me, Amy Rowlandson. To show your appreciation and to help other listeners understand what value you have received from tuning in today, please leave me an Apple Podcasts five-star review. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, Focus on Why. <laughs>